Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Our scripture today is Luke chapter 11, verses 14 to 26. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the people marveled. But some of them said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of the demons, while others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man fully armed guards his own palace, his goods are safe. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest. Finding none, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Holy Scriptures. We love your word and receive it as complete and authoritative truth. Our desire is to wield it well as a sword in battle against our enemy. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to illuminate the Scriptures which you have inspired to be written. Inflame our hearts with a passion for the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Today in our Gospel reading, we meet a demon and his work in someone's life. 
In order to understand demons, we need to remember that in the beginning there was an epic cosmic spiritual battle in heaven. A mighty and powerful angel named Satan had recruited a number of other angels to rebel against God and reign in his place, to receive the glory which only God deserves. God put down this heavenly rebellion and cast Satan and his angels out of heaven onto the earth, where Satan took his fight to our first parents, Adam and Eve. You may remember the story in Genesis chapter 3. Satan tempted our first parents, and they aligned with him, rebelling against God and following the path of sin. The result is that all of human history has been marred by demonic activity, destruction, and devastation. Every human being is born into this cosmic battle. We daily see the effects of demonic warfare in the lives of people all around us, regular human beings in the media, in politics, in the entertainment industry, on Wall Street, who are influenced, deceived, and sometimes even possessed by demons. Now, before exploring the story of the man with the demon in Luke's gospel, we must realize that the devil's greatest deception is to convince people that he doesn't exist. The world today calls belief in the devil naive, simplistic, old-fashioned. Satan is considered only a metaphor for psychological trauma and weakness. Even many professing Christians admit that the demons are old-fashioned myths designed to explain suffering, evil, and illness. We must remind ourselves that it is the teaching of the Bible and the church that demons are real. They are real beings with wills and intentions bent on upsetting and deceiving men and women. St. Irenaeus in the 2nd century said, The devil is long accustomed to lie against God for the purpose of leading men astray. This leading astray is nowhere more prominent than in our modern age, when most people believe that there is no such thing as demons and that Satan is only a metaphor for psychological trauma and mental illness. Luke, who is an apostle and also a medical doctor, has a particular emphasis in his gospel on Jesus' power over demons. He writes to tell us about the spiritual battle which rages on the earth and Jesus' power over the demons. Back in Luke chapter 4, we find the story of Jesus battling Satan in the wilderness. Jesus disarms and defeats Satan by resisting temptation, quoting scripture at Satan, and staying in union and communion with his Father in heaven. In Luke chapter 8, we see the story of Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons living inside of her. Jesus heals Mary and releases her from the power of the demons. Then in Luke 8 is the story of the man who had so many demons that he was living like a wild animal, running around naked and sleeping in the tombs. Jesus cast the demons out of the man and into a herd of pigs who rushed over a steep cliff into the lake and drowned. Then in Luke 9, there was a boy with a demon inside of him who threw his body into epileptic seizures. Jesus cast the demon out and the boy was returned to normal. 
Now, in Luke chapter 11, we come to the story of another man who is taken over by a demon. This individual is rendered mute, unable to speak, because of the oppression of the demon within him. Now, we know very little about this man. We don't know if he was born this way from infancy. We don't know if his muteness was a more recent development and condition. We know that he is incapable, unable to speak. If he is a husband, he can't tell his wife that he loves her. If he's a father, he can't sit down and educate his children. If he's a devout Jew, he can't sing the praises of God Almighty in worship. This man's whole life is negatively affected by his muteness. Sometimes, Satan and his demons manifest themselves in a physical way. Of course, there are many physical problems that are almost entirely physical. If you fall and break your leg, you need the doctor to repair your bone. If you have tooth decay, you go to the dentist and he fixes your tooth. You don't need to have demons cast out of you for those instances. These are physical problems. But there are other occasions where physical suffering cannot be resolved through physical solutions alone. A spiritual solution is needed to remove the demonic influence so that the healing and wholeness may enter into the person's life. This particular man is suffering torment. He is under constant demonic influence such that the demons will not allow him to speak. Verse 14 in Luke 11 says, And Jesus was casting out a demon from a man who was mute. And when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke. And the people were amazed. Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Holy Trinity. He knew this man's problem, and he knew that it was spiritual in cause and physical in consequence. He looked upon the man with compassion and commanded by his authority that the demon depart. Only Jesus has this kind of authority. The man couldn't help himself nor could the other Jewish exorcists in Palestine help him. Man-made religion and spirituality can't help a person who has a demon. Only Jesus has authority over Satan and his evil minions. When the evil spirit departed from the man, he was able to speak, and the watching crowd must make a decision. I want us to consider first that this story presents us with an undeniable fact insisting upon an explanation. The undeniable fact that insists upon explanation is that Jesus Christ performed many, many miracles. In Matthew 11, when John sent his disciples to Jesus to ask if he was the promised Messiah, Jesus said, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached unto them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The proof that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that the Christian faith is true is demonstrated by the miracles he performed because the miracles authenticate the message. They establish the truth of Christianity. 
Apologist Josh McDowell argues that if God became man, we would expect him to have an unusual entrance into the world. We would expect him to be without sin. We would expect him to perform many miracles. We would expect him to be extraordinarily set apart from other men. We would expect him to speak the greatest words ever spoken. We would expect him to have a lasting and universal influence. We would expect him to satisfy our spiritual hunger. And we would expect him to have power over death. Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ satisfies and wonderfully fulfills every one of these expectations. Therefore, the undeniable fact of who he is and what he has done must be explained. Then there are the elevating and beneficent results of the proclamation of his gospel around the world over the past 2,000 years. Think of this. The power of Jesus Christ down through history has transformed the lives of countless millions of people. Among the influences that shaped Western civilization, even religious skeptics admit that Jesus of Nazareth is the greatest and most influential life that ever lived. This is the question which confronts every man and woman. Who is Jesus Christ? Is he who he claims to be, the Holy Son of God? Is he Lord of the universe over all creation? And if so, he must therefore be Lord of my life. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true through the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. Thank you.
Let's continue our lesson. Notice the preposterous explanation of the Pharisees in Luke 11, verse 15. They took the coward's way out. They said the only reason Jesus can cast out demons is because he uses the power of Beelzebul, the chief of the devils. This is resorting to prejudice, which produces an absurd explanation rather than yielding to the evidence. It is also interesting that the Pharisees admitted they could not explain the person and work of Jesus without a supernatural answer. The truth is, we can't adequately account for the person and work of Christ without affirming that he did come from an unseen world, possessing miraculous powers. All naturalistic explanations simply fail to explain. Jesus himself said a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit, neither does a good tree bring forth evil fruit. There is simply no comparison between Jesus Christ and any other religious leader in history. His life and ministry has brought forth good, true, and precious fruit, which has lasted for centuries. Napoleon said of Jesus, I know men, and I tell you, Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and I have founded empires upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. So, the Pharisees put forth an absurd explanation that evaded the facts and revealed their deep animosity and prejudice against Jesus. Other people in the crowd gave the common excuse often heard today. I can't believe in Jesus because I don't have enough evidence to make an informed decision. Verse 16 says, Others testing him sought a sign from heaven. This was another attempt to sidestep the factual evidence before them. Facts are stubborn things, and some people will go to any length to deny the facts. Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life without sin. He walked on water. He healed thousands of people. He died and rose again from the dead. There is sufficient evidence that Jesus is Lord and God. It's not lack of evidence that keeps people from Jesus Christ. It's that their hearts and minds are unwilling to receive him. Jesus responds with the true explanation in verse 17 to 23. But he, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebul. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they will be your judges. But if it is by the finger of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus is saying, it doesn't make any sense for you to think that I cast out a demon using demonic power. Why would a servant of Satan cast out another servant of Satan? If I were working for Satan, I wouldn't cast out one of his own demons. 
Jesus says to the crowd of cowards, so you don't deny the fact that I have spiritual authority over demons. From where does my authority come? It comes from God. Jesus Christ, by his incarnation, life, teaching, death, and resurrection, has broken the power of evil and conquered over death. He has trampled down death by death and caused death to be swallowed up in victory. This is the triumphant truth of 1 Corinthians 15:21. For as by man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Death has been destroyed, and Jesus has crushed Satan's head. The devil still wields great power over those who yield to him, but he is powerless over those who love, serve, and cling to Jesus as their king. What this means is that demons have to obey Jesus Christ. This is really good news for the Christian, and it's really bad news for the non-Christian. If you are in Christ and belong to him and are in union and communion with him, his victory is your victory. You are supported and shielded by omnipotence. Demons will not influence you or control your life unless you willfully surrender to them. But there is a sobering truth here. Satan and his demons are stronger than we are as humans. They are enormously powerful. 2 Corinthians chapter 11:14 says Satan disguises himself even as an angel of light. One of the greatest deceptions perpetrated by Satan in the 21st century is that someone can have spirituality or religion without Jesus Christ. Spirituality set adrift from God, the Holy Trinity, and the truth revealed in Jesus Christ, God's Son, easily becomes subtly influenced by demons. The historic Christian faith is the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. It is not a designer faith, which we make up as we go along. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves. See whether you be in the faith. St. Vincent of Lorraine in the 5th century defined the faith as that which has been believed everywhere, always, and by all. This is the faith which Jude chapter 1 calls once for all delivered to the saints. It is not a faith constructed according to our experiences, opinions, or prejudices. From earliest times, to be a Christian meant to be a member of the church, to worship in the church, to receive the word of God in the church, to receive the sacraments in the church, to hear God's word taught, to be an integral part of the community of faith. Acts 2.42 says, And they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer in the church. The believers didn't go off and do their own thing in splendid isolation. No, they banded together in the community of faith in the visible church. All men, beloved, follow some religion. Either we follow the true religion of Jesus Christ the Lord, or we follow a false religion, a spirituality of our own making. James 1.27 speaks of true religion and undefiled. 
True religion has not failed. It is the subtle influence of Satan who turns our hearts and minds away from the beauty and purity of true religion into false spirituality. When people worship a spirituality, a power, a being, a religion, outside of the historic Judeo-Christian faith, they open themselves to the subtle influence of demons. Slowly over time, one's identity, personality, decision-making, longings, and lifestyle can become very subtly influenced by the devil. In the modern world, we define freedom as doing my own thing, doing what I want, how I want, whenever I want. But this is, in reality, spiritual bondage to the dark side of the universe. Listen, beloved. Human beings are constitutionally predisposed to need the true and living God. We need someone stronger than we are to protect us from the devil. We need someone wiser than we are to defend us against the lies of Satan and his demons. His name is Jesus. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. He brings life and love and light into our lives. He shelters and protects us against the forces of Satan and his demons. Do you belong to Jesus? Are you a follower of the one who has power over Satan and over death itself? Are you walking in the path of true religion in union and communion with the living God? Jesus says at the end of this passage in verse 28, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. This is the key to defeating the influence of Satan. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, we read, O Israel, you should listen and be very careful to do the commandments, statutes, and judgments of the Lord your God, that it may be well with you. We must live in feast upon, and inwardly digest the promises, the truths, and the protection of the Word of God, which keeps us in close union and communion with Him. Jesus says, you're either for me or you're against me. Either I influence and control your life by the power of the Holy Spirit or Satan and his demons subtly influence and control your life. You must choose. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we confess that you alone are the true and living God. We thank you for sending your Son Jesus to die for us, that we might become spiritually alive through his death and resurrection for us. Thank you that in Christ we are protected from the power of Satan and his demons. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill our minds and hearts with the presence of Jesus. Surround us with your protection, we pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries.
You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request with us and we'll pray for you. Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not heard? Have you not known? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.